Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey guys, Sam Shansky here with Diddy TV. I'm here with Sarah Potenza today. Sarah, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, man. I'm just hanging out in Memphis. It's good. Absolutely. How are you enjoying Memphis so far? I am enjoying it. Um, I I had some Kentucky Fried Chicken last night at like two in the morning. Oh. So I'm hoping for maybe a better meal today. Yeah. It was maybe a m- misdecision. I don't know, but but I'm gonna go eat somewhere after this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you later where to go get Thai food. I got some recommendations on Thai food. I do. So, how long have you been a vocalist? I have been um, a vocalist my whole life. I know this is a crazy answer to this question, but uh, I've been singing, I mean, ever since I remember. My parents had these speakers on the floor, you know, the big, like, old speakers people had? Yeah. And um, I used to drag them um, and put them, like, next to each other and then sit between them and listen to records. And it was at my old house in Johnston, Rhode Island, so I know I had to be younger than like eight years old. And I remember hearing, um, my parents had all these records and one of them was Joe Cocker. And I heard Joe Cocker sing and I was like, ooh, I wanna do that. (laughs) And uh, so I've been kind of um, just doing that ever since. And always, uh, I just always, that's just always how I identified with the world. I was like, you know, I might be this weird little fat Italian girl, but I'll sing my ass off. And that's (laughs) how it made me me, so. How long have you been writing songs then? I've actually only been writing songs um, since my mid-20s. I went to college for musical theater because um, everybody that I knew, like, went to college Mm -hmm. and where I grew up kind of was, like... Thing to do. Yeah, like, you got to go to college. So then I'm like, what do I go to college for? And um, I ended up going to college for musical theater um, because it was fun and I liked to sing. um, But I didn't really love it. And... uh, and then um, I, I ended up uh, getting a guitar um, while I worked at Applebee's. There you go. It's true. And, um, and uh, I started playing it, and I kind of all of a sudden realized that I wanted to write my own songs and tell my own story and not be on stage um, doing, like, someone else's shtick, you know? And I was going to do my own shtick, so that's like kind of how it all started. I'm a late bloomer. Yeah. So I was probably, like, your age, and I was like, I'm going to totally do this thing where I make no money now. I can do it. <laughs> so between the time that you started writing songs and sort of your breakout into the public sphere on the show The Voice, 
what all took place? You were in some bands, right? Like So many things. So many things. Um, I lived in Chicago. I moved to Chicago. Um, and I started a band called Sarah and the Tall Boys. And it was actually the only band that I ever had. Um, and we kind of um, wrote enough songs that we could play a set of music. And then we got hired to play at this bar. And they paid us. And we were like, oh, my God, we're going to get paid to play music. So... Then I found like another bar that would pay us and I was slowly able to like transition out of my job at Whole Foods to being doing that. And then um, and then we started to travel like I would find, oh, my gosh, we can go to Michigan and they'll pay us, you know, a couple hundred bucks to play at this brewery. Mm-hmm. And um, I did that for like five years. Um, and then I really wanted to play places where people listened and didn't just like eat pizza and play Keno. Yeah. So so I um, started doing a. a a duo thing with my husband Ian who plays baritone guitar and um, we started uh, traveling around and doing some shows that way and then The Voice um, came to audition in Nashville and I went to the audition and I did not get on The Voice and then they called me on the phone because they had seen me on YouTube and had my phone number from when I went to audition and asked me if I would come to the blind auditions so So you see, you never know. You never know. Never, never give up. Blake Shelton could call you. Would you consider yourself a competitive person by nature? Yes, I am. And I have to, it's, I've had a hard time with that. Um, Not just like on reality TV, but a competitive person. It's in my nature to be competitive and to be jealous. And as a musician, um, it's hard because you look over your shoulder a lot and you see other people, especially with social media now, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. people can be doing anything. I mean, they don't know that we're just like in someone's kitchen. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. We're not. <laughs> but, um, but you know what I mean? Like you can nice make kitchen. anything look amazing. And so I have to really watch that side of myself because I really love so many of my peers and being able to learn from them and being open to learning from other people and not always being... Like, oh, well, how come they are getting that show? Sure. How come I'm not? Right. Kind of thing. So it's, as we've gotten older, something I've gotten really better at. So how did on, uh, being on The Voice change your career? Um, it was really amazing in a couple ways. Um, first of all, obviously, the exposure. So you're, when you're exposed to that, I mean, it's 20 million viewers yeah. an episode or something like that. That many people... Um, you're gonna get fans from all over. And it's hard sometimes because they're so spread out where some shows there won't be a lot of people but other shows are like sold out. I have fans now and they don't just eat pizza and play Kino or at least (laughs) they do that and then they come see me. So that's really good. But also um, personally, it was really great because when you do something that you're like terrified to do Mm -hmm. and you accomplish it and then you accomplish even something else after that. And every round was like, oh my God, I'm so terrified. I have to go out here and sing this song. Am I going to get eliminated? Is, am I going to remember the words? Am I going to do all the things I'm supposed to do? Right. Um, and you do, it makes you feel like if you work really hard and practice, like you can do it, you can do like anything. So it was really good for me personally. And then also for my career. Awesome. Yeah. And I got to keep a lot of clothes that were free and really good. So I like that too. So do you feel like you're coming into your own as a musician now? I do. I had like recently had this really incredible experience. Um, 
where I was um, asked to be a part of this kind of like songwriters thing on this um, cruise called Rock Boat. And mm-hmm. actually a guy that we were both friends with, Brandon. Brandon Kinder. Brandon Kinder uh, was on it. And they basically um, kidnap you and put you on a cruise ship <laughs> for like, you know, five days. And you have to write an album with strangers. And being a person that overthinks everything, um, initially I thought that I could not do it. I was like, there's no way I can't do this. I'm going to get on this boat and no one's going to listen to me or like my ideas and my song ideas won't be good enough and how am I going to write a record in five days? I, it takes me like two years to write a record and I was kind of worried about it but when they asked me to do it I was like oh it's going to be so great no problem yeah oh totally I'm super excited you know so I get on there and uh, I meet the guys that I'm going to be writing with and you get assignments every day to write and um, you just kind of have to go with it and you have to pr- I mean you can't just be like oh we just didn't like come up with a song yeah and um, the songs came out amazing, and I was so proud of them. I think I wrote, um, well, co-wrote like a few of the best songs I've ever written, and it really kind of changed my perspective on overthinking and on like worrying too much about just everything, like worrying too much about everything. Like this is important, yeah. that's important. Like none of it's important. Just like write good lyrics and a good melody, and it doesn't have to be. Oh, these chords are too simple. Like it's mm-hmm. already been done. People are already played a. You know, a G and a, and, a, and a C chord. Like, who cares? Right. The melody's good and the lyrics are good. It doesn't matter. Don't let that stop you. Yeah, so that was amazing. So, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm spreading my wings. <laughs> Which actually is a great segue into my next question about um, your love of heights. It seems like you, you talk about mountains and compare yourself to, like, a bird. And I'm, I'm curious, <laughs> is, is this a literal thing or do you actually like heights a whole lot? Because as a person who doesn't like heights, I was kind of getting a little queasy even listening, you know, talking That's about That's really weird that you would mention that, actually. Um, I, I've never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, like, one of those kooky people that, like, is, like, really into kooky, like, astrological whatever. But sure. I remember when I was a kid, there was this book, mm-hmm. and it had, like, every day, and it was, like, a day of birthdays. Uh-huh. And each day had a name. And the name of March 15th, which is my birthday, was the Day of Heights. Wow. Which is weird, right? See, so. It is But weird. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's because I always see things as like such a, um, a, 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 a thing I have to climb up or like accomplish. And it's such a like, oh, like I can do this. I can do this. I got to keep on climbing. I'm such a, like a slogger in life. Or I'm yeah. Just like, so I guess maybe that's why. I don't know. I'd never thought of that before. Yeah, it was something that I saw on there and I had to ask about. I kind of love that you said that. Yeah, very cool. Let's talk about Monster. Tell me about how that album came to be. Well, I had written um, a few of the tracks prior to going on The Voice. And um, and then after the show, um, I did a Kickstarter and I raised a bunch of money to make a record. And um, we wrote a few more tracks after, but I feel like the ones that we wrote after, specifically Monster Mm -hmm. and Bird, were a couple of my better or best songs that I really love those tracks. Um, They're great. Thank you very Mm -hmm. much. And um, uh, Monster was actually, I think, the last song that we wrote. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of like one of those things where you write for a long time and you kind of store stuff away and you have it. But then after a while... The newer stuff is the stuff that was like easiest to write and was the best. Mm-hmm. So, like the idea of like the song "Monster," for example, um, I wrote because um, I'd always struggled with my weight as a girl growing up, especially in the '80s. Because in the '80s, like it was like Jane Fonda buns were everything. People were more tiny. harsh back then. I they think. were super they were harsh. Mean. <laughs> they were mean. Every movie that Bette Midler was in, she always like had a transformation where she lost weight and went from being like skinny <laughs> to being skinnier. It was everyone was horrible, but. 
uh, as a kid growing up, I always felt like um, other than, but like not mm. in a good, like in this weird way where I couldn't figure out. I would see other girls and the way that they behaved and used their looks for um, not like a, even attention, but certain things almost as like a tool. Mm-hmm. And I was unable to like really figure that out. So I'd be like, oh, okay, that's not for me. And then I would see how my friends that were guys would want to talk to me about music and go shopping with me and hang out with me. But then at the end of the day, they always like ended up dating mm-hmm. this girl that they had nothing in common with, but she was beautiful or whatever. And um, I couldn't quite like figure it out and it always made me feel bad in a weird way about myself or feel awkward. Mm-hmm. And then when I was on The Voice, um, those feelings kind of came back because they dress you. And sure. so I had to like go through their wardrobe and I'm 37. So like I was there and people were like, whose mom are you? And I was like, nobody's, you know? So, um, so I'm there and they dress you and it's really kind of brings up all these feelings because there's really not much that I can wear. And then there's all these young thin girls that can wear like all this amazing wardrobe. And I see them there and they're like in the mirror and they're complaining about their bodies. And it's kind of blowing my mind because I didn't realize that you would be unhappy with yourself if right. you look like a supermodel. Right. You know? And one of them told me that she was jealous of me. And she said, and she was like bawling. She said, I'm, I'm really jealous of you. I'm jealous of your confidence. Um, and she said to me, and this is what, what crushed me. She said, I know that I'm only here because of what I look like. And you know you're here because you can sing. And it blew my mind because I didn't know there was a downside to being a skinny bitch, first of all. (laughs) And second of all, I mean, I just never thought that you would know and you would think, oh, my God, um, I've used my looks to get onto this show and I don't believe in my talent or my own ability. Like, I didn't know that that was a thing. Um, And I felt like a monster. Like, I felt like when I was a kid, but like in a totally different way. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm here because I can sing. Why else would I be here? And, it, and then it kind of hit me, like, every job I've ever had, like, I was there because I was good at it. Mm-hmm. Or not, and then they fired me, but that's a whole nother story. Like Applebee's? Like, ex- I did get fired from <laughs> Applebee's. I did. Well, Applebee's But anyway, so I, they, they suck. I mean, come on, Applebee's. It really um, was something that I didn't realize I had in me to say as a statement. And I wrote that, and it kind of became the centerpiece of the album Monster and what a lot of it was about climbing mountains and when's it going to be my turn and um wanting to be a burden to fly away from all that stuff and all that so it really kind of came together that way and um and i'm really excited that uh that it connected with so many people especially with people who are my size people who felt like misfits especially with women who you know, I carry from a size small to a size 4XL mm-hmm. T-shirts at my concerts. And most people don't carry, like, larger than an extra large at best. You're and totally so, right. And I don't – and I – like, when I go to the mall, I have, like, two stores I can go to. So it felt really good to be able to do something to change that, to, like, actually be able to do something other than just complain about it. That's important. Even though I do like complaining. How do you want women specifically to connect to your album? Um – I really want them to take a look at themselves and say, I'm a monster too. Like I remember growing up this way and I remember feeling bad about myself for, um, because I didn't like my arms. I didn't like my stomach. I didn't like um, this or that or the other about myself. Um, And I see that Sarah Potenza 
has that too. And she was on The Voice and she's out there singing her songs and going on stage and right. she's not worried about her back fat or her thighs or whatever you don't like. And she's not worried about what she looks like. She's just like doing it. So I can do it too. So whatever job or whatever it is that you wanted, I want women to know and connect and believe that no matter what their size, no matter what their age, whether they're skinny, whether they're fat, whether they're young, whether they're old, that they are worthy of whatever it is that they desire. I like that. Thank you. What about men? What do you want them to take away from it? Oh, I just, I just want all their attention. All <laughs> no, um, I, I want them to feel the same way. I mean, I've never walked in those shoes, so I really don't know. Um, but I want, I want men to see that. I guess it's, it really all comes back to women because I want, I want men That's to okay. see how worthy all of us women are of attention. And then it's beyond what's just on the outside, mm-hmm. you know? Because you'll be really bored with someone after, like, a few months if you don't really even like them. That's very true. It's so true. Well, to change it up a little bit, you're living in Nashville now, right? Correct. And uh, I guess my question is, how are you enjoying that? I do really enjoy it. Um, It's really been great industry-wise because Nashville just kind of is the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter where you are, you'll be somewhere and like you will run into somebody from Rolling Stone or Mm -hmm. NPR or whatever. Um, So it's really easy to network. Um, And I really also have enjoyed how open the community of musicians are to like, Mm -hmm. um, there's some of the best musicians like in the world and you would think that they would be like, no, like I'm not gonna play with you. Like what, and everybody just jams with everybody. And like a lot of people who are even in the upper echelon of, studio musicians who've played on this and on that and the other will come and play shows with you because mm-hmm. they're not busy. They just, like, want to. So that's been really good. I like the fried chicken, again. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, I miss um, – they don't have a lot of Italian food, and I really yeah. miss that. It's a little different. It's more country than, like, where I'm from or used yeah. to. The vibe is kind of country. And um, for me, being Italian-American and coming from – Providence and then living in like Chicago I guess it's it's quieter in a weird way which is peaceful and really nice to write more songs. polite maybe sort of like sort of but it's like a different kind of polite mm-hmm. I feel like the politeness is lies <laughs> and like on the east coast people will just be like fuck you to your yeah, face and then right. like, still be your best friend right because they'll be like dude what the fuck are you doing but here they'll just be like oh um excuse <laughs> me and they're, like, so overly polite that I, I, I'm confused by it. At first, I was like, what's, what's happening? What is this? What is this? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I trust this. Right. Wait a minute. Yeah, there's good people out there. But it's great. It's yeah. been really great. That's cool. So you were at Americana Fest this past? Yeah, yeah. What did you, uh, how was that? It was really good. Um, we've been doing Americana Fest for a few years. Um, it was really cool. It's getting really big. It's, like, yeah. almost like South by Southwest now. It's, I do, um this show called Sunday School mm-hmm. there, um, or I've done it the last two years um, at a place called The Family Wash, where I actually used to wait tables. Oh, cool. And my husband, Ian, was the cook um, um, in their old family wash many years ago. And uh, I do a show called Sunday School, and it's gospel music, but it's like anything that's gospel to you. So mm-hmm. it's not religious. Like, we had a drag queen come and sing a song that they do called God Will Fuck You Up. I mean, we just do everything. Amen. And it's kind of the fringe, like, out their crazy gospel show because this record label 30 tigers has a gospel show that i've always wanted to do because i love to sing gospel Mm -hmm. and uh 
they um, was for 30 Tigers artists, and I'm not on 30 Tigers. So I just started my own gospel thing. And now we kind of just get down and yeah. dirty with it. What are your ideas about Americana? Um, I have mixed feelings about it. Do mm-hmm. you mean like Americana, like the genre? I do. I think that it's got really good intentions. Mm-hmm. I sometimes have a hard time with um, being a soul rock artist and operating within those confines in the sense that Americana has a sort of strict definition of, it's not a definition really, it's sort of what's become accepted as Americana. Um, and it's a little bit more country um, than what I'm doing. So sometimes I feel homeless as an artist in mm. in every genre because um, of what I'm doing is soul and it's rock and it's a little bit of country and it's a little bit of blues. And so it doesn't really fit in anywhere. And um, I don't know that it really fits the Americana brand, mm-hmm. um, but um, they have been really, really very, the Americana music scene has been very embracing of me. They've embraced you. Yeah, they've been really, and I'm, and, and it's been good. Um, but at the same time, um, as much as I have tried to um, embrace them. Sometimes a lot of the Americana stuff is still so country mm-hmm. that I don't feel like I'll ever really rise to the top of that heap, no matter what I do. So I just kind of am going to do my thing and like let it fall wherever it falls. I know a lot of artists that think in terms of like the branding with mm-hmm. Americana, where they'll say, well, this should be this or this should be that. And I just, I can't do that because I don't know how to write songs that way. Like I don't know how to get the good stuff to come out if I'm thinking about what's, on the outside, you mm-hmm. know, what's or how it's where it's going to go. So like the stuff that I'm writing now is kind of like pop rock. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be like at all Americana. Will I do anything with it at Americana Fest? Does it involve Americana? I don't I don't fucking know. Right. I like they they're real. I think what they do for music is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, the Americana Association. I think Americana, the genre is kind of a little narrow sometimes Mm -hmm. and i wish that it was wider because what about like jazz and blues and that's like americana to me right but i don't know well it will be be interesting to see where it goes we'll see we'll see yeah we'll give it some time so what is next for you i mean you you mentioned pop rock kind of you know songwriting i wonder what you know do we have another album in the works or yeah i'm working on some new songs and uh i'm gonna hopefully be recording this winter a mm-hmm. new record, and I'm trying not to define too much of like what that's going to look like because I think on Monster, I had this whole idea of like what the record would be, you know, even like a couple years before I made it, like constantly working towards this one thing, like it's got to be Americana or it's got to be this or it's got to be that, and um, I'm just really playing around with sounds and words. We'll see what happens. That Maybe it'll good. sound like Ross's music on Friends. I don't <laughs> know, but we'll see. I like it. Do you have any words of wisdom for the world? Words of wisdom for the world. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop <laughs> posting that shit on Facebook. I mean, just stop. It's too crazy right now. It's too crazy. I think everybody needs to just calm down and talk to each other because it's, it's crazy out there right now. And I know that it's really divided. But, like, at the end of the day, we're all just trying to put up Ron one boob at a time. <laughs> 
So that's my advice, I guess. That's the best advice I've heard in a Thank long time. Thank you very much. Thank you. All Thanks right. for having me. I Absolutely. really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for being here today. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.